I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program reality. Welcome everyone to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. We record our episodes, I'm in all space every week, only for the next few weeks as all space is being unplugged. And what reminded us before the show is that there are other uh, platforms that don't have a way to send out an event invite. So if you want to be abreast of where our events will be, uh, please join our Discord at uh, SimNationVR. We'll put the link in all of our YouTube videos and uh, podcast episodes uh, because it's only until March 10th that we can shoot it here and then we are off to, uh, digital, to be digital nomads for a little while. Uh, in any case, today we have uh, Futurosity's Flicks and Picks number 15 for The Peripheral, a new series from the creators of Westworld and from a book based on cyberpunk author William Gibson. Ladies and gentlemen, Curiosity, here he is. Only a few more times. Yay. <laughs> Are we going to be able to have here? <laughs> so this is the first time That's we've so had you sad. on the stage since the announcement. How do you feel, Futurosity, about the fact that Altspace is being unplugged? It's a very strange time. I mean, we built up a great community and I met so many amazing people in the last two years. And then suddenly they just kind of did a rug pull on us, unfortunately. But, you know, I'm positive about the future and I look forward to trying out other venues and you know, see what works best. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have a big um, sort of farewell panel on March 9th with a whole bunch of uh, people that uh, have made a big impact here in Altspace. And so we are uh, wanting to hear from everybody. I've, I'm kind of like, I, I, we're here to talk about peripheral, but Marsha and Kurt and Dave and a bunch of, uh, of you others who I've seen before, I kind of just like want to chit chat. So hopefully you guys got some comments about the peripheral, uh, because I feel like these days are, are so uh, we have to cherish them now because there's um in any case uh on to the peripheral we go um why don't we start with overall thoughts uh futurosity um we decided early on by the way that we were only going to cover the first episodes because the series launched not too long ago and we didn't want to spoil it for anyone uh some people here in the audience have mentioned uh kurt for example that they've watched the entire season so maybe by the end of the episode they can give us some um that's on the entire season. Sorry, not episode season. But anyways, for the first episode, what were your thoughts, Futurosity? Well, my initial thoughts are kind of conflicted. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of, you know, the makers of the of Westworld, um, you know, especially those early seasons that are you know, very intriguing. There's, you know, multi-layered mysteries going on. So I walked into this saying, hey, this is a William Gibson adaptation. And Corey Grace Moritz as like the main actress. There's no doubt there's gonna be something fascinating and meaty to you know dig into. But I'll be honest, these first three episodes, they were a little on the long side. Um, that's one thing I noticed. We're in a stage of peak television where they don't have to worry about commercials, you know, TV shows go straight to streaming. But I believe each episode is about maybe an hour, five to ten minutes or so. So it's a lot of world building in those first three episodes. It makes me wonder, well, where else can we go with this? You know, we have eight episodes and, you know, we're already three in. And it, I felt like I had to pause a couple times to check my timelines, see how much time remains. But I think it was intriguing enough that I kept, you know, 
going forward? You know, I really wanted to see what was happening next. So it's like, you know, catch 22, you know, when you watch a show like this, where it's obviously built for the long game, if you know what I mean, you know, they're definitely building up for, you know, surprises and, you know, more, you know, suspense and drama in the future. So I'm not sure where it's going to go. So I, I feel like I have to keep watching just because you know, I want to fulfill all these you know, promises that they kind of given us, but I don't know if they're going to meet the promise or not. So I'm fascinated. Not sure just yet. I look forward to digging in deeper. Well, you know, it's always it's always a sign when you're trying to watch something and you consider it sort of homework, like, oh, when's this going to end? And oh, when, you know, when are we going to get involved in it? So that's always I always try to trust my gut on those things and ask myself, am I enjoying this? Have to admit, I kind of uh, in a similar camp as you, Futurosity, which is that I'm a huge fan of William Gibson. I love the Sprawl trilogy. We've covered Nero Monster on this show, and I would love to cover the other two books in the uh, Sprawl trilogy. Cenzo Natale, extremely talented director who I've had the pleasure of working with in the past, uh, a, a long time ago uh, in Toronto, and uh, I've seen him here in LA as well. Uh, super, super talented. I have to say, though, that the thing that was uh, a little trying for me was that the characters just felt so flat, and I just wasn't gripped into uh, the character drama because I didn't really see much of a character drama except for uh, a little bit of cliche drama in the sense that like, oh, the the daughter with the mom who can't see and she's ailing and she's got to take care of her ailing mom. And like, you know, I've seen that so many times before. And then the the brother, uh, the brother uh, sister relationship it didn't really click for me. So I don't know if any of you here are watching The Last of Us. Uh, which is based on a video game. We also uh, covered The Last of Us Part Two, the uh, video game on here. Um, and if you watch The Last of Us, uh, which is on HBO, side by side with The Peripheral, I feel like The Last of Us is is everything right, and The Peripheral is kind of lacking in some departments. Everything in The Last of Us, we've seen apocalyptic zombie shows so many times before but it feels so unique and so new and so original. It's coming at things from a different angle. It's delving into character in a really interesting, thought-provoking way. It's, it's sort of um, also a thrill ride and very entertaining, but in a, it, it, and, and very skillfully done in that sense. But Peripheral, it felt a little bit like a slog. Like it felt like, oh, these characters, like I don't really care about them. And oh, like now we're getting into the the Westworld uh, thing where it, they're just got all, they're setting up all these mysteries and they're setting up all these characters, but nothing is clear as to what's going on because they want to have season two and season three. And so it's kind of like, you got to give me a little bit more uh, sense of stakes in the world. And you have to give me a little bit more character definition in terms of um, something that's unique in order for me to really be hooked. I have to admit, I was very excited about this, and we are covering the first three episodes here. I haven't watched past episode six, which also tells me that I haven't been quite as hooked. So I would love to hear from anybody here who uh, would like to be devil's advocate or enjoys it a little more than I have been, because um, I love all the technical wizardry and the gadgetry and the sci-fi rigmarole that's going on, but um, I'm not on into the world uh, continually. Um, and you know what? I'm actually glad that you brought up the building up for another season, because once again, we're in this peak television and streaming world where essentially there's no guarantee of a second season. You know, a lot of shows, you know, especially if you look at Netflix, 
canceled in the first season, you know, sometimes unceremoniously, if there's a, you know, a very vocal group of fans online, it may not add up according to the algorithms that these large companies use. So with these mystery box kind of shows, it's kind of a gamble. You know, you're hoping, okay, are we going to have something fulfilling? Are we going to get a, a big juicy piece of this mystery by the end of the season? Are they going to leave us a cliffhanger that may never be fulfilled? That's one thing I'm honestly scared about when I watch this show. I'm like, do I want to give all these hours if I may not get answers? You know, it's a gamble right now. And, and uh, Barsha's got something to add here. And I will say to that, though, the, the way that like a show like Lost is able to capture that. Right. It's like, OK, it creates this mystery box and there's always a, a perpetual mystery that goes into the next season. You're you're gripped by the characters. You care about the characters. They'll spend entire episodes in flashbacks. Right. Letting us know who these people are, getting us emotionally invested. And that's what I feel like is a little bit lacking in, in this show. Maybe Marsha has a differing opinion. How's it going, Marsha? It goes fine. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Uh, you're only in three episodes. I <laughs> finished the season. Okay. Um, it was quite an adventure. But first, first before I before I say anything about the movie, I want to note that you saw me coming in and you acknowledged me from across the room. That's what I'm going to miss going into new platforms where people recognize each other and. We have that community. I mean, I see Pirate and I see Dave and I see people that I know here, Kurt. And, you know, I'm going to miss that. So I just wanted to say that right out the gate. Um, the first three episodes, the first one, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to keep going. But mm. it was supposed to have to do with VR. So I thought, well, mm. okay. So I forced myself to go through the first one. The second one got a little better. And then... I figured out by the third one, okay, they've spent three episodes setting it up and there's mm -hmm. only eight episodes. Now, I don't know where you're at in episode three, but she does develop um, a relationship with a future character that I kind of felt, felt heartwarming and mm -hmm. I really liked it. You're right about the cliffhanger. It was a dead cliffhanger. It, you don't know if there's going to be more. You don't know if it's going to go anywhere. It didn't leave you really dangling off that cliff that you can't. Well, I have, it left me with enough of a cliffhanger that if they do get a new episode, I will watch it. But um it, it was quite interesting. Great. It was really quite interesting. Okay, great. Good to hear. I'm glad maybe we'll have to keep going here. Um, anyone else? Uh, Kurt, did you want to give some thoughts or should we keep rolling and maybe we'll, you'll give them as we go? Um, but uh, yeah, anyone else have any thoughts? Love to hear it. And, and especially if you finish the season and are eager to see season two. Um, or you, in the meantime, while we wait for you guys to uh, uh, give your thoughts, we'll dive into the plot a little bit. Uh, so we only wanted to set up the plot, not give plot reveals here. But, um, Trossi, did you want to try to give a little uh, cap capsulation of the plot? Sure. I mean, this is almost like a stone's throw into the future kind of story. It starts off in 2032. So I mean, just a decade or less from now, um, the main character um, is Flynn Fisher. She's a young woman who works in it. 3D printing fabrication kind of stores. So just imagine instead of like a Kmart in you know small town America, 
Now they have 3D printing services that will you know, bespoke parts for different people's purposes and for companies and more. Well, in this world, well, people play VR games. It's like we do today. You know, we have competitive gaming, we'll Call of Duty style first person shooters. But in this near future, people make a lot of money from gaming because you know, that it's more about, you know, creating cash from playing. Essentially, you know, that's how she makes her extra dollars on the side. The brother who also lives with her is a, you know, a former Marine. So he's in the same state as well. I had a little trailer off to the side of the house and they all take care of their sick mother who has this you know, terrible illness and is blinded by it as well. When we set up that little world, essentially they call these VR games sims, you know, essentially heavy duty simulations um, that are pretty much you know, one-to-one like real life. You know, you can inhabit a virtual body and have like a full gaming experience that is just full 360, fully interactive. Oh, her brother ends up getting, you know, a mysterious headset fabricated at her shop. And essentially, this VR headset is like the newest, best thing ever created. Essentially, it's the most immersive system ever, you know, on the market. Essentially, they pay the brother, who's this you know, expert player, to be like a beta tester of sorts. But he doesn't have the skills that assist. So, Zoom is the first operator. Well, Soon we learn that this is not necessarily just a game. And um, I, I think we could get into mild spoilers, but essentially, remember we did that review of the movie Surrogates? You know, essentially, you could control a surrogate body or you know, an android from afar, essentially telepresence. Well, essentially, it discovers that it's not just a game. It's actually a form of telepresence, which is quite dangerous. It opens up mysteries and... You know, new ways that she could possibly die and have her family on the, on the edge of dying as well. Essentially, in this future, you could inhabit bodies, not just in your timeline per se, maybe alternate realities. We'll get more about that later. But that's the basic setup. A woman from small town America is able to somehow use this VR device to control a body of, that looks like hers from afar in, in the future. A different timeline. And the, the element of uh, the fact that it's sort of like putting on a VR headset and time traveling to the future is very cool. It's a very cool idea. I think that's what they hang the hat of the show on. That's how the, the show gets bought. That's the high concept premise. Um, and it's a cool idea, right? Because when I first put on my VR headset, I you kind of do feel like you're stepping into the future. You've got this 3D world here. You're you're no longer watching a movie, you're sort of involved and immersed and we can interact with people. So I love that sort of taking that to the, the next degree and being able to travel to what is it, 2099 or something like that, I think. And 2032, I think, is like the, the present day and then 2099 is the, the future. So I love all the all, all that's There's like this play to earn model, which I think is probably going to come true where you can play games and make money. And then you can also sort of be like a mercenary to come in under somebody else's again and then play uh, through their character and get them through a difficult level and how cool is it how is it not like a total wish fulfillment for any gamer that once you pass the hundredth level at this certain game you get this you get sent this like beta headset uh you know uh, from the future uh, it's, it's a pretty cool pretty cool setup and then on top of that she works at this 3d printing shop and the thing from the future comes through the 3d printing shop uh into her hand so all very cool sci-fi kind of setup 
um, which is what you expect from anything William Gibson. Um, oh, you know, this, I think that the setup is really intriguing. I, the one part I didn't quite feel in the uh, pilot, and maybe, um, maybe there's more of this to come, is sense of stakes. I don't really know like what's at stake. We know that she's getting in over her head and she's involved in some kind of a conspiracy in the future. But, and, and we know that there's someone's targeting her now. That's the sort of sense of immediate stakes. We don't know any bigger stakes beyond that in terms of global stakes or family stakes or anything like that. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on any, uh, on that? <laughs> yes. Uh, when you think of it, essentially makes a deal with the devil of sorts. Essentially, hey, I'm willing to help these future people with their own convoluted, you know, mysteries and conspiracies in order to get a cure to help her mother in current times. Uh, the main issue is the fact that with all these timelines, it's a lot of gobbledygook. Let's be honest. William Gibson is not a technology expert. A lot of his stuff uses techno babble to kind of cover up for the lack of technical expertise. When you think of something like you know, Neil Stevenson and his understanding of technology versus how you would read technology used in some stories, vastly different. You know, it's it, it's yeah. always been the case. But I still enjoy Gibson's work. But I think one of the faults is he threw out so much gobbledygook and techno babble that is almost meaningless because when you talk about the stakes, what are the stakes? If the timeline that she's currently living in has changed because of this future interaction, um, essentially things have already changed. Like the future that she's expecting or future that they're expecting, there's already convergent timelines at this point. So we've already, you know, their time travel weren't well established and almost instantly broken within the first three episodes. So how can there really be stakes if essentially, hey, within the multiverse or within time travel, She's a different person, essentially, at this point forward. So what are the stakes? So her base claimed, oh, your mother dies on this exact date. Here's a newspaper, which is miraculously in 2099 is in amazing shape. I, I'm assuming it was from some archive, but, you know, in London, and they have some small North Carolina newspaper. But I'll put mm -hmm. that aside for now. Uh, but essentially, it's a lot of those hanging heads in these early episodes it makes it kind of hard to get into it because I feel like there's not enough stakes. There's personal level stakes that are pretty mild. I mean, okay, so your mom has been somewhat cured, quote unquote. You know, like there wasn't any setup for it. maybe, you know, what they gave her was poison. I mean, essentially they 3D printed a drug in the future and sent it to the past to get fabricated. And the pharmacy didn't go, hey, this is the most amazing thing ever. I never I'll for hey, you know, it's kind of the hanging threads that just seem very odd because sorry if i had a future 3d printed device that no one has ever seen before i i think it would you know start some commotion uh, it was a lot of those things to see they ignore you know kind of the the tangible tangible effects of or the impact of these future people on the past because i believe yes if i had a device if you saw me with a vr device you know, from 60 years in the future, I think people would, you know, notice it and have some questions and it would kind of create a domino effect of consequences. That's the one problem I've noticed so far in the show is you don't really see the consequences for a variety of actions and poor decisions. So I'm hoping within the next couple episodes, they'll kind of resolve some of those problems I have right now. 
Uh, there's always that problem with timelines and uh, end timelines and, and time travel. It's it's sort of a uh, we're, we're conundrum that it's interesting to see how Marvel's going to take care of that with their whole multiverse. Uh, Marsha and, and anyone else, uh, you know, we <laughs> we are obviously bitter and jaded up here uh, about the show. So if, uh, please, somebody uh, help debate us and tell us uh, that you love it and why. Uh, but Marsha, yeah, come come well, to the not rescue. Only she was she was a, a an excellent gamer. She was like up there on, you know, the number one, and that's why they kind of chose her because she was always winning at every game battle she played, and they kind of pulled her into it. But the other interesting part was how the future comes back to the past and does things mm -hmm. to the to the past, just like she's going into the future to help with a sister situation that she's dealing with. And it's, it's, you're right. You're right with what you said, but the guy on the motorcycle, the, the, the other Marine that lost his legs, mm. um, that's an interesting character. And it does, it has some evolution in it. That's kind of interesting. And uh, you'll like that coming into the next episodes. Got it. Cool. Okay, great. Um, all right. Well, I guess that does bring us to uh, the characters. So um, I don't know. Any favorites, Futurosity? For me, the one that I have this slide up here, this is the evil villain in the future. She's pretty, pretty cool character. Uh, I kind of I kind of like her. I like her performance. I like her casting and, and all of that. Um, she's the one that has a little bit of spice, I guess you'd say. There's also that like really redneck guy in the in the present day 2030 who's like this like weird like what's he up to but he's he's got you know he's got uh, a lot of interesting things he's another character i've kind of by episode three i think i kind of get more intrigued with that character so the villains seem to have some kind of interesting elements to them here whereas for me the, the main characters are all a little bit flat i don't know how do you feel futurosity well uh, overall i think they hide too much on classic tropes and stereotypes i mean we have um you know it's a Southern, you know, half the show's set in the South, you know, North Carolina and Mountain. And unfortunately, artificial regional accents they choose to put on, you know, essentially it's, you know, it, they don't seem Southern. You know, they seem like actors pretending to be Southern, but not basing their performances on real people. You know, they use the word ain't and speak slowly, but that's not really a Southern accent, if you know what I mean. So it's hard to connect with them, but I am fascinated with, you know, the quote unquote modern day bad guy, the head of the town, um, Colton, I believe. Um, essentially, it's like Roadhouse. You know, this small town has been taken over by, you know, some bad guy who with like nebulous affairs, essentially at like the local drug dealing empire cartel, which is oddly glossed off, glossed upon. I mean, essentially guy you know crucified a bunch of you know bikers and left him in cars to die from heat stroke or something i mean if you're living in small town north carolina people are literally crucified at the town gate it just seems like a bigger deal <laughs> and i'm really surprised that there's no consequences you know this guy freely runs down and it's kind of you know choosing a cigar and says bad things it's it's i find him fascinating almost because he's such a caricature in a modern show that I'm like, wow, you know, I mean, he's, he could be mustache twirling for all I know. It's, it's fascinating. That's all I could say. And of course I do like Flynn. 
the main character. Mm-hmm. She has a spunkiness to her. I mean, I, I enjoy how modern times, essentially post-cable dramas that people can curse freely. So it's kind of nice that she drops a couple of nice F-bombs at the right time that just gives her that extra little oomph. But overall, I mean, this is Chloe Grace Moritz's show. Um, so she's the one I pretty much attach myself to. She has a sense of humor. At the same time, I feel like, once again, for a show with so many mysteries, to have the main character seem somewhat aimless is a very odd choice. Because so many times I'm like, why did she do that? You know what I mean? Like, I would say the writers can create characters that can make dumb decisions. You don't want to think that the character herself or himself, um, if you know what I mean. And that's been my overall problem. Every character represents a trope. And they don't really represent people to me at this point. And, and, you know, an interesting thing you were saying earlier about pacing and you were finding that you kept looking at watch. For me, that tells me that they haven't created a clear enough goal and clear enough stakes to be able to thrust the story forward. Right. So, okay, we talked about stakes, but the other thing is that the, the, the Flynn character, we don't really know what her goal is. There doesn't seem to be much urgency to her goal. So after First episode, there's this woman that she's on this mission with who goes missing. And then by episode two, they're like, okay, you have to go find this woman. We don't really know anything about this woman. We don't have anything invested in her. We don't know why we need to be looking for her. And so we're kind of left in the dark as to what the motives are behind our character, what the urgency is behind our character to succeed at a goal, which we don't understand why it's important. So I think that all of those things kind of drag the story down because it doesn't have the sort of momentum needs to, to pull us forward. Um, but again, it sounds like if we keep going, we'll, we'll get a, a little bit more of that. Um, the, and I, I'll take your word for it also about the the uh, military character who lost his, his legs, but I feel like in the first couple episodes, he's just like, of complaining uh, to his like ex-military buddy and like drinking brewskis and like pass it out and like, of the dialogue feels like oh this is something that's unique about a war that would happen in the future it's just more stuff that we've seen before from movies today so uh, i'm 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 glad to hear that um he uh improves as the show goes on but uh it's, it's a bit tough going at the beginning for me in that regard um all right i'm so glad you brought him afraid. up <laughs> yeah yeah no please go ahead oh no the, 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 the trope of, you know, the, the wounded vet, it's been overused so much. I mean, I kept thinking of, you know, Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump. There are a couple moments where I was just like, someone's just going to hand this fellow an ice cream cone and just say, hey, it's going to be okay. Uh, that's the problem where you feel like, hey, you know, a real character, you want to feel for them and, you know, hope that they're going to be able to get through their struggles. But it just became, you know, the same old pattern. You know, the guy overdrinks. He's a tough guy. You know, he tries to overcompensate because of, you know, his unfortunate disabilities based on. I felt like it could have balanced it a little bit better. Just let us know, hey, this was an impactful situation. Because remember, all those characters from the Marines had a, you know, kind of a techno psychic link. You know, they had that haptic feedback connection. They had um, essentially what we're going to get into the tech next. So I thought, well. If you have that connection between all your fellow soldiers, why aren't the other guys more impacted by his grief and, you know, just a sense of loss that he's going through? That's what I found very odd because I thought, hey, could there be an, an emotional component to this connection that they have? Do they talk about it? You don't really see it, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, again, I come, I come back to the last of us cause I feel like that show is just knocking it out of the park. First half hour of last of us pilot episode is uh, showing the relationship uh, between this father who's trying to protect his young daughter. And, uh, and it's, it's a half hour that is, is thrilling because it's the end of the world and the apocalypse is coming, but it's really focused on a, an emotional relationship. They spend the first half hour doing that. And then when we get to connect with um, the uh, character, other young uh, woman that, he, that comes under his protection, you really get a sense of why he feels uh, an, a bond for her. And they even do some editing to show us how that connects. And so I, I feel like that shows it, it's, uh, it has those thrilling moments, but it's, uh, it's so um, it's it takes the time to really to develop the emotions of the characters in a unique way, and I think that's really the the big the big takeaway. Um, okay, so the tech though, I I, I love the tech. It, this is what kept me watching, and will will keep me watching after this because I think the tech is super cool. Future twenty ninety nine stuff um, is 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 pretty awesome. I I feel like these characters here, if you're watching on YouTube or here, there's these um, sort of drones that are everywhere, and they seem to run on nanotechnology, so they can melt into a cloud of gray sort of nanoswarms, and then they can sort of into to human shape and, and do the or getting of the whatever they need to run it. There's these really neat supercomputers that uh, run on nanotechnology. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, a lot of stuff in the future. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of, of being in here, where worked you know before old space died they were working so much on audio to make sure that if we're in a crowded room i could focus in on marsh's voice or i could focus in on uh net voice and not have it be um washed out by all of the crowd noise which i think was a bigger problem when first started in old space a couple of years ago um and they they go to a party scene and this woman drops this invisible um sort of i guess it's like a drape over them so they can have this private little uh, discussion while at a bigger party because it sort of drowns out the noise of the bigger party. So stuff like that I thought really neat. And I feel like it's like art imitates life, imitates art. Like I feel like it's interesting to think that what we are becoming accustomed to here in the metaverse in the present day, maybe a hundred years from now, we'll be able to replicate in the real world with real physics, the opposed to just, uh, you know, bites of data that we're using here. So I think that's a really compelling idea. Any any of the stuff you guys Well, I did find you know as they call it the peripheral, you know, these actual beings that are you know inhabited by people from the past and also people of the present. I, I, I'm always fascinated by telepresence in general. You know, just for thing, you know, it, it was a cool reveal when you first understood that. Hey, you know, she, you know, Flynn is not just in a VR headset. She's not in a virtual simulation. You know, she's actually controlling physical body. You know, that moment when the, the skin on the hand gets peeled off and you see like the classic robotic, you know, Terminator 2 style you know, articulated fingers underneath the, you know, flesh. That little moment really connected to me. I went, okay, this is kind of cool. But at the same time, they didn't establish the rules for those bodies. It looks like some of them can literally disintegrate into nano, nanotechnology or whatever. And you know, reassemble. Then certain ones, I'm assuming the ones that you could put a person in that's not an automaton, those have to stay mm. solid and have to be boxed up. Uh, there were a couple mm. funny moments. You know, essentially, you know, Chloe Grace Moritz's characters, her essential 
virtual body was, you know, left in a coffin you know, in the future. And she kind of just beams into it, inhabits it. I did find that kind of fascinating and like kind of dead in a way, um, essentially baseline AI control body until your consciousness goes inside, which actually reminds me of some of this, you know, tech they've been showing off for, um, like NVIDIA did a test on, you know, making a camera's eyes or a streamer's eyes stay on camera, no matter which way their face is turned. And that kind of AI enhancement of a living being, it's kind of similar to how they have like these baseline AI just to, you know, control the basic functions until someone takes over. I do see that as a potential for the have telepresence androids available. I think they wouldn't just be sitting in a box. They might be, you know, having some baseline functions. Way it won't be startling and just a you know uncanny, bizarre experience for people around it. I did like that element. You know, just once again, little sprinkles of really cool sci-fi. And complain. Yeah, and I guess it's such a cool idea to think like you could literally have a twin. So, like, let's say have a business in Los Angeles, but we do a lot of business in Hong Kong. Instead of getting on a plane every time I have to do business in Hong Kong, you have your telepresence a person sent there, right? It's in a luggage, essentially. They arrive in Hong Kong, they uh, get into the office that you telepresence into them, and then you are sort of a being there. It, again, it's the idea of um, being able to take what we can do in VR now, which is jump from place to place and be able to do that in the real world in the future is, is a really uh, interesting idea. And it does, it does tie back to that episode we did on the surrogates, right? The, the, the show, uh, the movie surrogates with Bruce Willis, where they had that idea as well. I guess we get the sense that in the future, the Chloe Grace Moritz character is flesh and blood. And then she enters her neurons kind of enter through the telepresence, the post the you know, robotic AI that are ro floating around. Is that, I guess that's the difference. Um, but I guess you could ask, well, why wouldn't we all just want to be a nanorobotic swarm in the future? Why want? Why would we want to be constricted by flesh and blood? I guess that's a, a interesting question. I don't know if they'll ever answer it. But, um, well, and it also yeah. fits in with um, the mechanism of time travel. You know, uh, once again, you know, techno babble gobbledygook. Because once again, they're going, they're converging different timelines. It's not just the main characters; the bad guys. And somehow enter that same branched timeline, you know, concurrently, right. which I find just kind of a bizarre concept. I really think of it as based on the rules they set on the show, all possible, you know, for two instances in timeline. Remember, they, hey, we want to get the bad guys in 2032. We're going to pay them off somehow, you know, send him cash money into the past and, you know, have him put a hit on the main characters, the main group. It, once again, it's the technology that they bring up. They go yada, yada, yada too much where I'm like, I wish they didn't even try to explain it sometimes. I think it, with less explanation, it feels more plausible. Start adding in, you know, techno babble. It actually makes it less plausible to me. Sounds like hmm, this seems like a flawed premise as far as you know, using, you know, your neurons in the past, somehow able to you know, quantum tunnel into the future but also have others to build a quantum tunnel back to you in that same timeline. I mean, that's, I mean, even the Avengers had like a, a slightly more coherent structure for their time travel. And I just wish that, yeah, sometimes over explaining makes it even worse. Well, and here's another question. If you could send back uh, through 3d printing, a time travel device past, 
Why not just send back a data robotic swarm? Why not just send back an army? <laughs> Why not just say, if they could, we ostensibly assume that they can send back those, uh, those invisible cars, or they can somehow at least send back the technology that then someone could create those invisible cars in the present. You could invent it. If you could bring back an invisible car, bring back a robot, bring back a, a Terminator, bring back something that could just like wipe out all of your, bring back a, bring back a virus that just like wipes everybody out. Oh, they're on a different timeline, so it's not going to affect the uh, 2099 timeline. So why not just like eradicate them and be over with it, and we don't have a, an issue? Uh, it, it's it's a tricky one. It's always these timeline stories always get super super tricky. Um, all right. So what else? What else we got here? The point. We got one more category here before we definitely hear everyone's opinion in terms of uh, what your wow score is, what you give it out of 10. Uh, okay, so did you see any sort of, you know, William Gibson loves the philosophical conundrums, and so do the Westworld people. I mean, Westworld season one was like philosophy, essentially, so they got a little bit of that in here. Did you kind of see that it kind of seems like it's sort of the overall theme of the show? Well, I did like the element of, you know, in the future, some, somehow, you know, the population has been greatly reduced. They bring that up early. But I do find it fascinating exploring you know, relationships between brothers and sisters because we have the you know, current timeline with, you know, Lynn and her brother and their, you know, familiar relationship. And then we have future relationship of, you know, the character, um, Alfred and, you know, the woman that's missing, essentially. So it is interesting to see an exploration of you know, these family connections and just kind of, hey, nothing around us feels real, but at least these relationships we have with the people around us. Either, either family or found family, you know, just like the military brothers, uh, you know, all these Marine, ex-Marines that band together, you know, at a moment's notice and say, hey, we're going to help. I do like those principles of value of family, value of found family. Um, but overall, we haven't really gotten to the point just yet because we don't fully understand what the good guys want or what the bad guys want, uh, which is always a trouble. If you don't want know what people want, how can there be a point? Um, at the moment, it's all, you know, a bunch of whispers and conspiracies. But we don't really have something solid really to grab onto and say, okay, this is what this character desires. This is how they're going to try to get it. You just get little bits and pieces and we have to kind of fill in the blanks as the story progresses. So I don't have full understanding of the point just yet, but at least they gave us some, you know, playground of sorts. You know, they set a world, they built very fascinating, you know, set of technologies and you know, some semi-interesting characters. I'm just waiting for it to all kind of, you know, coalesce together into something that's meaty and a little more meaningful. Well, the thing that I could try to sink my teeth into, there was a line that they gave uh, the Flynn character uh, in episode one or two that said, basically, uh, in 10 years, if you knew the world didn't exist, you wake up and change your life. And I think that that's how they're trying to create a relatable story uh, with our main character, a relatable theme that can be present here. Problem is, though, that they never present what Flynn character would be doing if she was going to change her life. And we, she doesn't, we don't get a sense that she even wanted to change her life. She seems perfectly fine. She's working at a 3D print shop. She's taking care of her mom. She has a relationship with her brother, but we never, we never know like, oh, this is what she would really do if she wasn't held back by her fears of the future. Or if she knew, if she was always living for the future that wouldn't be, she could change, but we don't know what she would change to because we haven't 
to know that character enough to know what she really likes and what she really wants and what she really uh, resents about her life presently as it is. We just know that she's going through the motions, um, but we don't get a sense of like, what does she really want? What does she really desire? Who is this person really? Who would this person be if they were liberated from the constrictions of time and knowing your destiny and all of that? Just don't know because it wasn't established. And so it falls a little bit um, hollow. Like I, I, I like that theme. Just wish that it wasn't, um, it was sort of fleshed out and not as hollow. So uh, maybe it comes in, in further episodes, but um, without a solid foundation of character, first of all, knowing what their flaw is, second of all, knowing what they truly want, and third, why they're trapped in uh, a reality that they don't love, we need those three things to be clear and concise for us to be able to track this character's growth um, and evolution. Um, but it's sort of murky. And so, where she's headed is also kind of murky. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I am glad they... We need the fans to speak. We need the fans to speak. <laughs> I am glad they did hint a little bit at, you know, Flynn's, you know, kind of indecisiveness. I guess that might be one of her character flaws because of you know, the cop, um, Constantine, the local sheriff that she had a crush on since seventh grade, and he's about to get married, and she puts a little 3d printed cake topper that they threw right. out of him and hides it in, in her, like, you know, I think I swear it was like in her clothes, right. It was like in her drawer. So I understand like, you know, she kind of covets having a relationship, but once again, it felt very odd. I mean, even when she was inhabiting her brother's, um, you know, peripheral and she had to seduce, you know, you know, that woman at the event and, you know, she's always like, Hey, I'm cool. I'm smooth. Hold on, why are you so cool and smooth interacting with people when you couldn't ask out this guy in seventh grade? Yeah, you know, that's one of those weird right. things about the disconnection between what characters say and what they do in the whole story. Because, yeah, I'm like, well, what's the point? Because if it, the whole point is hey, about fulfilling your desires, you know, taking that leap forward, ask the girl out, ask the guy out, you know, do something proactive then she's the least proactive main character I've seen in a while. So it, it's kind of a weird contradiction between what the, they're implying what we should feel versus what she actually does on screen. Okay. okay well, uh, this is everybody's chance and we want the fans. Wow. 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 Please fans, tell us uh, what you love about the show. Give us your wow scores. Seven, uh, 10, three, five, whatever it is. 10 wows is like, this is the greatest show ever. I can't wait for season two. Zero wows is like, I can't believe I sat through that, that season and uh, uh, it's, it's going to be canceled for sure. Please uh, let us know. Marsha, Dave, I know you said it. Oh, Kurt's gone. Too bad. Hey, T. Gupti, uh, Jim, uh, you two Trollbot, uh, Net Guy, anyone here who is a fan of the show or uh, or maybe not, let us know. We definitely want to hear everyone's opinion. Should you give your wild score first or me, Futurosity? Uh, I think I've been first a lot lately. What? what? Okay. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. I think that the peripheral, what I love about it are those cool gadgets, cool sci-fi ideas, uh, the time travel through your device, the telepresence, the nanorobotics, the 3D printing, the, the play to earn gaming, all that stuff. I just, I love that stuff, right? Problem for me is that that does not a show make. 
That is like cool stuff that would augment a show if I cared about the characters and wanted to keep following their journey. Uh, and that is where I feel it's lacking. Uh, I just am not uh, emotionally connected uh, to, to any of them. And the reason for that is because I'm unclear as to who they are, who they wish they were, and why they're not the person they wish they were, what their goals are, uh, what the stakes are in their life, what bad thing will happen if they don't succeed at that thing that they want. All of those things would make more compelling and clear character to me. Uh, the murkiness uh, draws me into the bog and I've got to give this one. I think I'm giving it like a seven. Give it a seven. It is a little disappointing because I'm a huge William Gibson fan. Vincenzo Natale, the director, executive producer, so, so talented. The one that brought this project to Lisa Joy and uh, Nolan, who did Westworld uh, because uh, Vincenzo is Canadian and so is William Gibson. So they had the, they knew each other in Canada for many years. And uh, he's actually, Vincenzo is, has been hired to adapt a Neuromancer. Finally ended up giving up on Neuromancer, saying it's an impossible book to adapt. He also was hired to adapt Snow Crash, which he also uh, gave up on. It was like, this one's too hard to adapt. Um, so I'm, I'm glad he finally found some William Gibson material. I just wish that uh, it was one of William Gibson's clear material. All right, you we got you, and then we got Marsha, and then we got anyone else here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I share similar sentiment because craft-wise, the visuals, the technology, the effects, all that, it's all top-notch. It's just the, the actual stories and the character development, and that's the part that I find a little lacking. So it's a hard one. You know, there's a lot of shows and movies where technological achievement Sometimes seems like when you kind of put it on a scale, the tech is up here, the story's a little bit lower. So I feel like it's not as compelling than the first three episodes that made me want to continue. But because I'm a William Gibson fan, I feel the need to continue no matter what, because I'm slowly getting invested into this world they're building. It's a fascinating world. I mean, there's no denying in the mystery box they've created, you know, it, it's intriguing, but unfortunately the characters make it somewhat of a slog. I think that's the thing. I'm hoping that as future episodes feel more, you know, there's more upward mobility and the characters themselves are making decisions that actually have you know, tangible consequences. You know, I want to see the domino effect occur. But once again, it's very hard with, you know, dual timeline stories. So we've seen it in other cases, you know, timeline stories. What are the stakes if one timeline barely impacts the other timeline? That's the main issue. When timelines connect, you know, when you're, so it's the, the classic, hey, you, know, you step on the butterfly, everything's destroyed in the year 2000. You know, you know, the classic tropes. But when you have converging and, you know, separate timelines, et cetera, that, hey, our main characters technically don't have an impact on the future, that's when, you know, I start losing the interest. But I'll give it a solid, you know, seven right because it's visually compelling. I mean, Amazon all out right now with their new shows. I've noticed with sci-fi and fantasy really been going at it i mean this is what we've seen with the lord of the rings show i mean invest so i'm hoping that the investment of my time get paid off ultimately but right now i think a seven it's solid it's interesting i do have a couple faults here and there but i think if i just you know, just get through the hump after you know this third episode i think i'm gonna keep it going it's only eight i'm gonna give it some time and also hey i want to give 
them some numbers because you know the algorithm and viewing numbers and how many minutes watch all matters in the end. So I want to give this a chance to get a second. If my minutes counts, I hope it helps. Well, you know what counts more than minutes nowadays apparently is completion numbers. You want to see who completed the entire season. You can't just go to like season episode six because then that means you didn't, you won't be there for season two. They want to make sure that you completed the season. So if, if anyone wants to save the show, get all of your friends to uh, give those completion numbers. All right, Barsha, here we go. I, I want to hear some good stuff. Give it to us. Well, you guys are creating your own saga up there because I hope you complete it before this world's gone away because I want to hear your final number after you have completed it. Um, <laughs> It's not just two future dimensions. You're going to find more dimensions within the future. It's, mm. I can guarantee that. Um, I give it a strong eight and a half. Um, I agree with a lot of what you guys say, but um, you, you do eventually get into it. And you're kind of sorry to see it in because it's like, oh, no, wait, 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 wait. And there's something just a little more and you do leave there, you know, like what, you know, so you're, you're left like what? So you are anxious to see episode uh, season two, because now you want to answer the what, <laughs> you know, at least get a little answer, but um, the, the, the techniques and the, and the artistry of the, the show itself was really good. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but there's stuff in there you're going to enjoy. So um, okay. there, there will, then there'll be some episodes that are really good. And then there's some next episode might be another one lingering into the next episode. Then that, that one becomes pretty good. So just, do it out, but I want to hear what you think about it after you've seen it all. I really want right. to hear that. We have to continue this one. Okay, okay, we can do a part two before before we're out of all space. Well, thank you, Marcia. Uh, anybody else have uh, some thoughts? We know there we know there has to be some fans here uh, because uh, because people came to want to talk about it. This is your last chance, last chance to give us your wow score. Here comes Dave. Tell us what you thought, Dave. Well, I got to say, I, I just watched the first episode just before this event. Um, it was on my list, you know, it was in the queue. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, yeah, I'll, just, I'll take a look at it before uh, before I jump in here. And I liked it. Um, I mean, I'll watch it again. Um, uh, there were some things I thought were kind of intriguing that, that I can see that it's going to develop. The characters are going to develop and the plot line is going to develop. And I like it. Um, one of the things that I thought was especially intriguing, uh, and tell me if I'm if I misunderstood this, is that the uh, character of Flynn is actually actually inhabits her brother's avatar in the future. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, I got that right. Well, I think it's really interesting how she reacts to his experiences, mm -hmm. uh, as, and including um, uh, intimate experiences. I thought, well, that's an interesting concept. It's something that's going to keep me uh, a little going a little bit in the future. <clears throat> but I like the future character of her brother. Uh, just so anyway, I would give it a, a good solid 5.63. 
Okay, that's not so good. Five is five's pretty, pretty. That's a failing grade, Dave. That's a, uh, but 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 to your point, though, unfortunately, after the first episode, she gets her own uh, body in the future. So you never have. They never develop that idea beyond what oh, you shit. saw. So like, it was that one moment that she went into the other body, and then she had her own body, and then that idea is uh, gone with, unless they bring it back. Uh, but I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree though. Yeah. yeah. Interesting idea. Um, all right, cool. Uh anyone else? Final chance here. Final chance. Where's our where's our uh peripheral fans at? Anybody? Anybody? No? All right. Well, um well, uh future awesome. Uh that pretty much covers it. Where can people get in touch with you if they want the debate to continue out into the real world? Oh, well, I'm still available on Instagram at and I understand, you know, alt space is going away, but you can always reach out to me. You know, please DM me um, your avatar name that you're going to be using at other service. That way I can kind of help rebuild my friends list. But I look forward to seeing everybody in the next space we jump to. Absolutely. Um, and uh, and thank you, everybody, for for teleporting. Cast of Stimulation Nation. We have to cherish these last ones that we got in all space. Uh, whether you're with us here at Virtual Reality, listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or watching YouTube. And remember, uh, even more important now, because uh, we need to have uh, everyone migrate with us to subscribe to our Instagram at the Simulation Nation, Twitter at Simulation VR. We're also trying out Noster, which is like decentralized new Twitter that just got launched that has uh, Jack Dorsey, who Actually was the creator of Twitter. He is now backing. Uh, he donated 15 Bitcoin to this new decentralized sub called Noster. It's a little bit complicated. If anyone's tried it, you have to go onto like GitHub and it's, it's like, it's very early days. It just launched, um, but we're going to try Noster out as well. So if anyone's on there, uh, track us down. Um, and then uh, guess what, guys? We have a double header tonight uh, because uh, this is the only time we could get uh, the founder of um, uh, what's the oh shoot I can't remember what it's exactly called. His name's Alex Chase. He's a, a world builder here in all space. He has an entrepreneurial bent, and he has a company that uh, has metaverse event uh, events and and three sixty videos and all whole bunch of different things. And so we're actually in like hour <laughs> gonna have another episode so back-to-back -back episodes um in any case for this one we'll see you next time uh and uh stay plugged